Welcome to another edition of the Ultimate Weigh-In Show. We are here breaking down UFC Vegas 47, headlined by Jack Hermanson and Sean Strickland. Uh, Weigh-ins just wrapped up about an hour ago. Couple misses, couple sketchy-looking folks. That's why I got one of my guests coming on to help me break it down and give you guys our final thoughts on UFC Vegas 47. But before I do that... I want to I know some of you guys already heard about the new show that I'm doing but I want to put it out one more time before it debuts next week. I have the Coach's Main Event Marathon where I have well, you know what? I'm not even going to explain it. I'll let my teaser do all the talking for me. So, if you guys haven't seen it already, check it out. What's going on guys? It's your boy Manpreet here to drop some special news for you guys. So, I'd like to introduce my new show called The Coach's Main Event Marathon. This is going to be a monthly show where six coaches have accepted the challenge of coming on the show, helping me break down the upcoming pay-per-view main event. At the end of the breakdown, I'll be giving each coach $100 to work with to place on one main card fighter on that upcoming pay-per-view card. At the end of the year, we'll see who comes out with the most profit and they'll likely get some bragging rights and maybe even a trophy to show for it. So, without further ado, let's introduce who the coaches are going to be. Kicking things off, we got my guy James Krause from Lee Summit, Missouri, representing Glory MMA and Fitness. He coaches guys like Grant Dawson, Tim Elliott, Jeff Molina, Jason Witt, and Derek Minner. Next up, we got Mark Montoya from Factory X, hailing from Inglewood, Colorado, and he represents and coaches fighters such as Alexander Hernandez, Brandon Royval, Anthony Smith, even the aforementioned James Krause, and let's throw in Dustin Jacoby and Vince Pichel in there too. Eric Nixick is the next coach, and you guys obviously know him from Extreme Couture out of Las Vegas, Nevada. And do I really gotta say some of the fighters that he's coaching? Obviously, heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou, Dan Ige, Sean Strickland, Chris Curtis, Kai Kamaka, and even Manal Kapp. Tyson Chartier is the fourth coach that I'm going to be having on the show. And obviously, you guys know him from the New England cartel coaching guys like Calvin Cater and Rob Font. Cody Donovan is the fifth coach that's accepted the challenge. He's obviously hailing out of Elevation Fight Team from Denver, Colorado, and he coaches guys like Curtis Blades, Neil Magny, Drew Dober, and Austin Hubbard. And lastly, if you guys have been following my channel for a while now, you guys are pretty familiar with this guy. We got my guy Santino DeFranco from Fight Ready MMA as well as Siege MMA, and he coaches guys like Henry Suhudo, Henry Corrales, Kamuela Kirk, and Marco Madsen. Shout out to all of these coaches for accepting to do this show, and I can't wait for you guys to see how it all plays out. There you guys have it. The coaches, main event marathon, super stoked, super excited for that show. Uh, I've already done Mark Montoya, I believe two days ago. He's already given his, me his thoughts on Adesanya Whitaker. I actually have Eric Nixick lined up for after the stream, so I'll be recording that. And then me and Santino are going to get down on Sunday. And the show will premiere and debut on Tuesday of Fight Week, so make sure you guys check that shit out and last thing i want to say about santino defranco i asked him afterwards i'm like if you had a couple fighters you wanted me to tie you to for my teaser that i'm doing uh who would it be and uh he got to me he got back to me a little bit later than i wanted but uh other guys that he wanted me to throw in there were korean zombie uh and kelvin gastelum who's actually now aligning with the fight ready guys down there in arizona so should be fun fun times all right 
without further ado, let me let me bring in my guest here who's going to help me break down UFC Vegas 47-1. Last time, I had this dude on months and months ago, and since then, he's absolutely blown up on the YouTube scene, and I couldn't be happier for this dude because he is one solid motherfucker. We got my guy, AJ DeVito. AJ, what's going on, bro? Much love, bro. I am so glad to be back, man. It's been too long, bro. And you're one of my dudes that I love talking fights with. Looking forward to going through this. And I'm hyped to see your Coach's Challenge uh, video series coming out, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. You got some savages on there, bro. I know, man. I can't I can't believe some of them said yes. You know, I mean, I'm already boys with James, and then obviously it started to trickle down to the other coaches. I've had Eric on this show as well. I've had James on the show, Santino on the show, uh, and then Tyson is really good friends with uh, Eric. So he's like, if if I'm in the show, I need Tyson in there too so I can beat his ass in this challenge. So I can't wait for that. And then obviously Cody Donovan's a dope dude, uh, and I'm sure I left it. Oh, yeah, Mark Montoya, uh, obviously the coach of James Krause as well. So very solid dudes indeed, but you're a solid do myself man that's why i had to bring you on this ultimate wayne show to help me break down this oh. card that we got coming on uh before we actually get into the breakdowns from a fan's perspective which fight are you looking forward to most tomorrow man that it's Dude, a pretty decent card i gotta i gotta be honest this card like outside of i guess your main couple this is better than the 270 card give me trey sean gore brian battle my most exciting fight i'm a hardcore fan of the ultimate fighter i know some people don't get into it personally i found some of my favorite fighters from there i can't wait to see what happens and it's going to be disappointing for either one of them to lose. Like when Battle ended up fighting Urbino rather than Gore, I was low-key a little happy because I don't have to see either of two of my favorite guys <laughs> lose, bro. I'm a big fan of both, bro. No, I, I wish they would uh, march out the, the trophy before the fight and actually give it to the winner of this fight, right? You know, Brian Battle should have brought it uh, with him into Vegas, and and that could have been the prize that they could have given them after the fight. But maybe they'll mention it on the broadcast and be like, this is Somebody will. the true winner, but uh, we'll see who it gets down to. All right, uh, let's get into it, man. We got 13 fights to get through. Obviously, the Wayne's just wrapped up. Uh, last guy to step on the scale... Malcolm Gordon fights Dennis Bondair for uh, first fight of the night. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 290 now for Dennis Bondair, plus 230 to return on Malcolm Gordon. So, you know, Malcolm Gordon, everybody's favorite fighter to fade, and essentially, right? And it hurts me to say that because uh, he actually fought on a show up here in Toronto uh, that I was a part of. Uh, obviously, he's from London, Ontario, a part of that adrenaline MMA team. Uh, I believe, you know, guys like Mark Hominick, Sam Stout, Chris Ordesky, those guys are all kind of behind him. And his UFC, you know, uh, career hasn't really panned out the way that they wanted it to. But the guy's, a, you know, a solid BJJ black belt when he can really get his game going. We saw that uh, in the Francisco Figueredo fight where he He's able to, you know, well, right off the bat, dude just go dives for a double leg, tries to drag the fight to the ground, uh, doesn't want any of that figgy power. Uh, and it worked out for him, right? Sometimes he got a little bit overzealous, falling over top of figgy at times, but he showed the way that he wins fights is taking guys to the ground. That's exactly what Dennis Bondaire does, though, right? And I feel as though Bondaire will have a slightly better wrestling game, and I think that's ultimately going to be the deciding factor in this fight. Uh, seeing these guys face off, you know, Bondaire seemed to want to get into his head, uh, get into his face and all that, so it was very great to see. And I'm sure Dennis is just rearing to get into that cage because he's been scheduled to be in the octagon for at least a year, year and a half now, but things have happened as to why he's been pulling out, injuries, all that stuff. Uh, but but I think he's deserving of this price tag, man. Minus 290, minus 300. I think he goes in there, does work, gets Malcolm Gordon out of there. I'm very close to pulling the trigger on Bondera inside the distance at even money. Uh, that seems to be the spot, man. Every single fight that Malcolm Gordon has lost has been so via finish. And I expect that trend to continue tomorrow night. How about yourself? How are you feeling about this one? 
Dude, honestly, you summed it up beautifully. I feel like Malcolm Gordon, too, is a bit reckless. And a guy like Bondar, very explosive, good counter-striking on the kickboxing level. Wrestling, as you mentioned, is there. I feel like he does everything better than Malcolm, and he's just a technically more profound striker. When I see Malcolm Gordon's style, I'm worried of counter shots. When I watch that Figueredo fight, I'm getting frustrated that Figueredo's not letting the hands go I as know. much. He was, I don't know what happened to him there. I mean, he's not his brother. He doesn't have that same sniper where he hits you and you're going down. Malcolm Gordon's style, I see why he gets hurt. You look, I feel like he's going to get stunned here. I'm thinking potential club and sub situation, and that's why I'm with you on inside the distance. I don't want to pick a prop between the two, and then you lose on it. I like inside distance. I'm right there with you. I think Bondar gets a stoppage probably maybe a round and a half or less, I, I would say. I like knockout. I guess I will pick knockout, but I wouldn't be surprised with submission either. I guess I'm just giving a little respect to that submission game, though, of Gordon. He's a good black belt, as you mentioned. I like Dennis Bonda. We're, we're in agreement here to start it off, man. Let's go for inside distance, too, man. I like that bet. I love it. I love it. All right, let's keep this thing moving along. Next up, we got Jason Witt going up against Phil, Philly Fresh Rowe. Uh, in terms of odds, we're looking at minus 135 for Philip Rowe. He was actually up around that minus 170 range earlier this week. A ton of money coming in on uh, Jason Witt to bring that line down. Plus 115 now is the return on Jason Witt. Uh, Jason uh, needed to step on the scale twice. Uh, he took off his hat uh, to, to step on the scale. I believe he was 171 and a half before uh, he stepped on the scale again, took off his hat, like I said and waited at 171 didn't look you know as gorilla-y as we normally see him right that's one thing that was kind of surprising to me i thought that we'd see that kind of stacked version of him that we're used to but it looks a little bit softer as nor uh, the normal uh pretty binary fight to break down right philly fresh wants to keep this fight on the feet try to snipe him from range jason Wilt wants to close distance drag this fight to the ground and either find a sub ground and pound or even just try to grind out philly there but like I've seen this take on Twitter all over the place, right? It's it's uh ninety nine percent of the time J Jason Witt probably wins this fight, but you know a swift gust of wind will probably knock this dude out. And a guy like uh, Phil Rowe who has that that style of just sniping dudes from the outside, I think at a certain point he's going to be able to clip Witt, whether it's early or late. And uh, Jason Witt's going to be doing the stanky leg dropping and more than likely uh, get finished in this fight. So. I, I kind of get the angle of betting Jason Witt at like plus 150, plus 140, but now getting closer to a pick em line, I got to go with my guy Philly Fresh, and I feel like he actually finds a KO in the spot. So, yeah, Phil Rowe KO is what I'm looking at. I think it's around plus 165 for that prop specifically and plus 110 for the inside the distance on Phil Rowe. Uh, could he get a club and sub? It's absolutely possible. Don't do we want to get too greedy taking the plus 165 instead of the plus 110? Probably not. I'd rather take the plus 110 myself. So, uh, Phil Rowe, KO, what do you got here? Wow, okay, Phil Rowe, KO. I think that's a reasonable pick. Um, what I will say is I'm concerned about takedown defense for Rowe, but as you mentioned, right, we've seen Wit knocked out against guys quickly. Looking at yeah. the two losses, they're like sub one minute knockouts, but. Both those guys, Sato and Selmasberger, who knocked him out, are power punchers, I'd feel. With Phil Rowe, he has a bit of pop, but he's a really tall guy for the weight class. So I don't necessarily think that Witt has as bad a chin as a lot of people are saying. I think he takes an okay shot, but a real explosive guy beats him. I don't know if Rowe has that power. Of course, if he lands something, he can do some serious damage. I'm going to bank on Witt's wrestling here. I am concerned, though, because the scales is something I didn't like from Witt. Normally, he looks pretty jacked. I don't know what the problem was. And then close weight, it's a concerning bet. 
especially because the line has come closer. If you would have got it at plus 130, I liked it at plus 135. I would have been, let's go. Let's bet that dog. I'm on Jason Witt. I'm picking him to win the fight still. I'm going to ride with Jason Witt, the underdog. But yeah, I will say, man, I don't like how he looked on the scales. I don't like that he looks like he's lost muscle mass. That concerns me. Guy in his 30s, Phil Rowe, tall, athletic fighter, not necessarily uh, as technically sound, especially in the grappling department, but striking, he could do some damage. I'm going to ride the Witt train as an underdog, but it's concerning. I, I will say, I agree with you, man. There might be a knockout. If you're on the betting side and you're on wit, I'd say wit decision, but can he go the three? Is he going to go the entire fight without getting touched? I believe he's going to survive. I think the chin will look better. I do think he gets hit by some decent shots, but he'll find a way. I'll go wit wins by decision, but the row side's understandable. If you're looking at more close money, like plus 115, I don't even really like it. If you find it somewhere where it's still in the plus 130 range, I could see playing it, especially that decision prop with a sprinkle maybe if you're finding it plus 250 or more. But be cautious on this one. I don't think Jason Witt is one of those dogs where I'm saying go out and throw everything at him. This is a, a misread because Roe has a chance. Honestly, I feel like we've seen the fight before already. And what I mean by that is Phil Rowe against Orion Kosi, right? That was a fight where Kosi just tried to knife and death, try to get this guy to the ground and really struggle in doing so. We saw some decent takedown defense there from Phil Rowe. Um, with that said, I think Jason Witt has better cardio than Orion Kosi. Not a crazy amount better, but still a little bit better. So he might be able to push this into the third round with that grappy heavy style, grappy, grapple heavy style. But uh, at a certain point, I think he's going to catch one on the chin and just, just go to sleep. Understandable, bro. The main thing that I like about Witt is he's like a better Orion Kose, I'd say, at this point. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. if Roe can pass this test, that's impressive. He has potential, too. It's not a, by any means Witt. For me, isn't the lock of the night funny? My boy Mike Finch on the money line picked Jason Witt as his lock of the night. So he, he's oh. a big believer on the Witt train. <laughs> we'll see what happens on fight night. I'll go Witt. I'll disagree with you on this one here. But I will say, understand your side completely in this fight. Love it. I love it. All right. Let's move on to this 205 pound belt that we got up next between Danilo Marquez and Dana White contender series on Jilton Almeida. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 435 now for Almeida and plus 330 the return on Danilo Marquez. I'll actually let you kick this one off, brother. How do you feel about this one? This is such a weird one. Odds wise, this is crazy. I don't think Danilo Marquez is being respected by the bookies at all. We've seen Jelton Almeida look good on the contender series, control with his grappling, has a pretty decent striking game as well. The jiu-jitsu, though, more so what he's known for. And I mean, has the wrestling of a high-level wrestler, not the same style as a guy who does freestyle wrestling, but good MMA wrestling. I do think he beats Danilo Marquez here, but I'm concerned about these odds. If you're a betting man, you got to throw a ton of money at it to make anything back. It's not my play. And I don't know if maybe I'm crazy, but I'm thinking that Danilo Marquez has the potential to go the full three. I like decision win for Almeida here. I don't really understand why the inside the distance seems like that's the expected method of victory on all the lines. Like everything has that close money. I feel like Almeida will out-wrestle him control him against the cage the best chance for marquez i think would be landing something or locking some type of submission up but with the style of uh almeida and also he's so strong he's jacked he's a guy that i really think has some potential in this light heavyweight division i think he's gonna beat danilo marquez 
But man, it's not one that I'm saying, hey, let's go throw, uh, you know, two grand that and let's make it just, you know, f- you know, a few hundred bucks. I don't think that's what it, right. That, that's 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 too dangerous, man. I'm not doing that. I like the Almeida side. I'm on it. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily love, you know, picking these huge favorites because a lot of the times you see these guys end up uh, choking after the contender series. But in this fight, I think Almeida has the tools to win. He should beat Marquez. Things I like about Marquez, though, is just, he's a big dude. He's tall, 6'6". Short, shorter reach, though. Interesting. Shorter yeah. reach. But I do believe he has longer arms. One thing, and I don't know if you agree with this, I want to see arm reach. Why do we not have the actual arm reach? We only do it on, on the width. If a guy has really broad shoulders, yeah, he might have longer reach, but not necessarily a longer punch or a longer kick. So I don't know. I think that they should up the stats. I'd like to see a little more in-depth stats from the UFC. Why not? We're the biggest organization in the world. Let's give us everything we need to know about these guys. I'll go Almeida win decision here. I swear like a year or so ago, they were talking about adding leg reach as well, yes. right? That That's yeah. something that they had discussed uh, going, I believe, from like the hip bone all the way down to the bottom of the heel. Uh, it would be nice to see those types of numbers. I'm not sure how they would impact uh, capping or predicting a fight, but at least it would be something interesting to see. Uh, I'm actually going to be on the other side, man. I, I took a stab here at plus 310 on Danilo Marquez for a unit myself. I got 200 bucks on him here. I feel like... Uh, you know, the guy's been in the cage already, uh, inside the UFC cage a couple of times already. Uh, I seem, uh, I seem to feel, or sorry, I feel that a lot of people are just giving him too much flack for that uh, Kennedy and Zetsuku loss, right? The guy controlled him for 10 minutes, a yeah. solid 10 minutes. And although he didn't submit him or anything like that, he still controlled him. And how often do you really see a 205-pound guy backpack another dude for as long as he did, right? That That's probably still just as draining. So I kind of get it. Obviously, his striking needs a lot of work. And I don't think, you know, at that 35 years old that he's currently at, that it's going to make any strides. But I like, you know, for the last several, I'd say at last a year or two, he's been setting, uh, spending a lot of solid time over there at Kings MMA and those guys. And and I feel like that's going to be helping out his game a lot. Jilton Almeida, it's more so let's let's see what he brings to the table, right? He was an underdog going into that Dana White Contender Series fight. And uh, sure, he won the fight. But if we go back and watch that performance, there's certain times where he's just a little bit over aggressive, falls off the top of his opponent, kind of loses position. And I feel like uh, uh, Marquez might be the toughest BJJ person he's fought to this point. If Almeida had better striking, like I'm not saying it's shit, but yeah. it's it's aggressive. He has he's more of a one shot kind of guy. Doesn't really throw in combinations or anything like that. Throws with a lot of power, of course, but more often than not, that's just to close the distance, try to drag the fight to the ground, and then from there try to do his work with his jujitsu. But I don't think it's going to be as easy for him to really find that finish guy uh, against Danilo on the ground, which is why one I like the overs here. The over one and a half is not too bad of a look in my opinion. I think it's roughly around minus one forty. I see this kind of being a stalemate on the ground. I could see uh, Danilo kind of taking advantage of certain spots when Jilton gets a little bit too overzealous on certain things. Not to mention, I forgot where it was. I think I want to shout out my guy, Brandon Olivas. I think it was him who, who kind of mentioned. I don't put too much stock into it, but like, this could be, you know, not juicy Almeida coming into the UFC and fully in that USADA pool. So uh, that could potentially be an issue here for him as well. Uh, again, very small factor. I'm not saying that's the reason he's, he's going to lose this fight. But minus 400 contender series debutante against uh, a guy that has legitimate wins inside the UFC. Give me the dog here, especially with this fight more than likely going to be playing out on the ground. There's no way Almeida looks minus 400 if this fight hits the mat, which is where this fight will more than likely be taking place. So give me Marquez. I even took a little bit of a sprinkle on Marquez's decision at plus 700. If he can control him for the majority of this uh, fight, 
I think he can get his hand raised. Uh, and I believe uh, Jelton Almeida, all of his wins were in the first or second round. Only time he's ever reached the third round was an L to a guy in Bruno Assisa. I still believe he's fighting on the regional scene there. So um, I would I would love to see this fight get extended. And if Almeida actually has the chops to, uh, you know, El Cardio, a guy in, in Danilo Marquez, who a lot of people, are again, are very low on. Myself included. I was always very low on Danilo Marquez. I, I tried fading him in the past, never really worked out. And now I'm finally joining the Danilo Marquez team. But... Uh, this is more so odds-based than anything, and I do think he has a good shot to uh, get it done here. So, uh, yeah, Danilo Arquez plus 310 straight up and Moneyline plus 700. Go for it, AJ. All right, so one note. Uh, I, I do believe Almeida won by decision on the contender series. So I will say, for a guy with as much muscle mass that he has, I'm not as concerned about the stamina as other fighters. He does seem to be in pretty good shape, but you mentioned that the juiciness, that's something that when you're outside the UFC, no one's giving you USADA testing. When you come in the UFC, the level is different. You better be on your game if you are uh, playing around on the dark side of it, you know? So we'll see. I want to see how he looks, but yeah, the betting side is ugly. So I, I really say it's a dog or pass betting side. Maybe Maybe you go out, made a wins decision if you can get it at decent value. You like Marquez. It's one of those fights where it's like, I have to wait and see. We don't know enough about Almeida. We have seen Marquez win fights in the UFC. I mean, he, he beat Kadisi Bragimov. Um, the second win, that I actually, Mike Rodriguez. Mike Rodriguez, yes. It was a decent fighter as well. You know, not, not terrible, not a huge name, but he still beat him. And then there's a Chuku fight. He's winning the whole thing. And then Marquez ended up gassing and getting stopped. I was uh, honestly a little bit disappointed in Marquez in that spot because I was on Marquez there. <laughs> early on, I was fading Marquez. I said, no way. Bragamov's the real thing. He's going to knock him out. And that was that was a far misread because Bragamov is uh, not delivered. I believe he's outside of the UFC now, unfortunately, too. But yeah, man, I, I understand your side there. I love it. I can't wait to see this one play out. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got uh, fellow Canadian Alexis Davis uh, hopping in there uh, to fight Yulia Stolyarenko. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 250 for Davis and plus 200 the return on Stolyarenko. I believe Davis was hovering around, yeah, she was roughly around minus 200 for a while, and then the money started raining in on her. Uh, it would be very heartbreaking for me to see her lose to a girl like Yulia Stolyarenko, honestly. I know Alexis Davis just turned 37. You know what I mean? The last time she fought, she was 36 but she's going out there and still having competitive fights against legitimate opponents right against these young guns she goes out there and gives Sabina Mazo an absolute vet lesson taking her to the ground over and over again and pretty much controlling her for the majority of 15 minutes then the uh the Penny Kianzad fight right she could have just in my opinion if she just looked for takedowns more often there she probably would have won that fight but she was still quite competitive on the feet there it was a very close second and third round i thought you can give the second and third rounds to her uh mma decision seems to agree with me as well very close fight uh but yeah it, it just goes to show that she can she's developing her her striking game something that we don't really see from somebody in their mid to late 30s uh and i think she can showcase that here against stoliarenko who's just a little bit too over committing on certain shots on the feet you see her kind of falling over her shots at times. She really loses balance a lot. She doesn't seem comfortable on the feet at all. I like to call her the Lithuanian Ronda Rousey because she has seven wins uh, via armbar out of her nine total wins. So she likes to take it to the ground and try to wrap up that arm of her opponent and take it home with her. But I'd be surprised if a girl like Alexis Davis fall, uh, fell victim to something like that. So uh, I like Davis here. Uh, I think she goes the full 15 minutes, pretty much just outpointing Stolyarenko. If anything that we can give to uh, Stoli, if that's what I want to call her, uh, she's durable. 
she can take a shot if people remember that crazy war she had in Invicta where it was just absolutely bloody I I think uh, the other chick's name was Lisa Versosa if I'm not mistaken but absolutely crazy fight uh bloodbath like Jeremy or sorry yeah uh, Joe Stevenson style uh type of fight there but yeah in terms of skills she doesn't really bring much to the table other than jiu-jitsu and I think that Davis has her covered there how do you feel about this matchup between the bantamweights I'll be honest, I do think the striking is more competitive here. I feel like Stoliarenko does have a superior Muay Thai game. She's pretty quick with her strikes a little bit. Of course, there's there's inefficiencies that she does. Um, but one thing about Alexis Davis, which is a continued issue for me, and I hate seeing it. It's also, I guess, a little bit of the boxing bias growing up as a boxing guy. Not a ton of head movement. The head gets stuck on the center line a lot. Stolia Ranko doesn't have the best hands in the division. She's not lighting the fighters up, you know, like uh, a damn Valentina Shevchenko with her Muay Thai. But I do think she has a decent stand-up game. I'm so concerned about her getting on her back and just lay and pray. Control. Alexis Davis, best method. Get this girl down. Control her. The arm bar is concerning. I don't necessarily see Alexis Davis getting tapped out here. She's a girl that's not easy to finish. I mean, yeah, Ronda Rousey didn't even knock her out. Or didn't submit her. She knocked her out in like 15 seconds, you know, years back. It's funny, right? Because I feel like this is like the true OG Alexis Davis. She's been around forever at this point. 37, young prospect. I am on the plus money side. I'm going to go Stoliarenko. I think she could find a way to win a decision. It's not my favorite bet, but it's a good plus money dog. Women's MMA tends to be crazy stuff. Alexis Davis's boxing is a concern. I see her getting outstriked. It depends on how Stoliarenko's, not necessarily just takedown defense, it's her grappling resistance. If Stoliarenko is taken down, can find a way back up, or at least is making Alexis Davis uncomfortable from the bottom. I need her shooting up submission attempts. I need Stoliarenko maybe looking for that signature arm, but I don't believe she'll get it here. I feel like she could squeak out a split decision here. I think it's one of those close fights. It's going to be a real toss-up. Davis 37. I like striking edge Stoliarenko, wrestling edge Davis, jiu-jitsu edge Stoliarenko. So I will pick Stoliarenko here by just a smidge, but it's a close fight. Gritty veteran. It's good. I, I like the matchup. I'm, I'm excited to see it. It's a big test for Stoliarenko. Huge opportunity to fight an OG like Alexis. I gotta say, I feel like you're the only person I've ever heard pick, picking Stoliarenko in the spot. <laughs> so I'll be sure to bring my life raft tomorrow for you to throw on that island that you're going to be stranded <laughs> on with Stoliarenko after she gets beat in this spot. But let's see how it goes, my man. We'll see how it goes. I respect the, I respect the analysis there. All right. Let's move on to the next one here. Another Canadian stepping into the cage. We've got my guy, Power Bar, Mark andre Barrio, going up against Chidi Anjikwani, who just came off the contender series himself uh, with a big win over Mario Sosa. If I'm not mistaken, he was a slight underdog in that fight. And now he comes in once again as the under... Well, actually, it's even money now, which kind of surprised me. So, um, you know what, actually, I'll let you kick this one off and then I'll, I'll bring it back to myself. How do you feel about this one? Dude, I actually am very impressed by Marc-Andre Berriot's improvements. That Dolce Lambagula fight, he showed so much patience. Yeah. He keeps his guard up high. He's technical with the stand-up. Not necessarily a beast of a wrestler, but he can wrestle. He, he can fight. He can get on top. He can defend takedowns well. Biggest concerns here, length advantage far favors Chidi. I like the Muay Thai of Chidi and Jaquani, and I do believe people forget he's got a jiu-jitsu black belt. He's actually pretty quality on the floor i don't think he's throwing up uh flying triangles or anything like that but he has a decent game i feel like chidi and jacquani is in a tough fight versus barrio but one of those tough fights that he'll come through and win a hard-fought decision i expect a lot of striking exchanges i feel like watch for the jab of 
Chidi and Jaquani. Burial actually works pretty good straight punches too, which is, you know, refreshing to see. I see it as a real technical fight. True chess match style of battle. I think we're not going to see a barn burner slugfest here. We're going to see technical precision on display. May the best man win it. I'm on the Chidi and Jaquani side. I've been following him for years, bro. Like back when he fought Andre Fialo and knocked him out in 21 yeah. seconds. I was like, damn, this guy's the real deal. Took a couple losses in Bellator, but still high level experience nonetheless. And the guy he's, he lost to were not bad. I mean, Carvalho, who's a, a lanky, tall kickboxer, um, and John Salter, who's got the tricky grappling game. I feel like in this fight, Chidi and Jaquani edges it out. Hard fought decision, win for him here. But I, I like Barry Olt a lot too, man. I think just the physical attributes and the range, technical Muay Thai is slightly leading the way with Chidi. So I'll go Enja Kawani, especially at plus money. I, I got him there um, right now. Obviously, you said the line came in even. Both guys looking good and ready on the scale. So it should be a damn fun fight. Yeah, Chidi's one of those contender series guys that actually comes in with legitimate experience, right? These, this isn't just a, a guy they picked up like Michael Morales off of like uh, a gym promotion or something, right? I'm not sure if you saw some of that old tape of Michael Morales and fighting in a cage where they got to like hold the cage together as these guys are fighting. But like Chidi's putting in his time, like you said, right? He fought on Bellator, fought against legitimate competition. My concern with him here is just his ability or lack of ability, I should say, for ring generalship. And what I mean by that is just he always seems to be accepting of that back foot. And sure, he has the range to kind of keep him his range and using that jab and all that. But more often than not, you see this guy get stuck up against the fence. And I, I think that's exactly what Mark Bar Mark Andre Barrio uh exceeds that like that's his game man he moves forward tries to push you up against the cage may not be looking for takedowns but looking for control time and then uh exiting out of the clinch throwing combinations and then getting back into the clinch and even though we got a guy in um we got a guy in Chidi Anjaquani who's a, a Muay Thai practitioner should be very good in the clinch exchanges I find it difficult to see anything on tape that leads me to believe that he's going to give a guy like uh, Barrio trouble especially if Barrio's going to be in that close range with him uh yeah I'd be surprised if Chidi uh is, gets that fight that he wants and what I mean by that is get that kickboxing range right that's where you see him beating those guys like Kato and and uh, some of the other ones that he picks up is they're allowing him to just fight from that distance range that's not Mark man Mark moves forward he doesn't give you any space to breathe. He pushes you up against the cage, and he just gives you hell over there. And even though he didn't really go any go for any takedowns against Lungiambula, he kept him behind that warning track, and he kept him stationary, and that's what allowed him to get off the amount of strikes that he did and find the victory the way that he did as well. So um, I do want to actually point out for anybody that does prize picks, uh, promo code UFC100, but if you guys do prize picks, they have uh, Marc-Andre Barrios over-under uh, over for takedowns set at 0.5. I think that's absolutely nuts. I think he lands at least one takedown in this fight. Maybe not, you know, pursuing it over and over again, but it's something that I feel like he'll at least land once uh, in this spot. So uh, hit that shit if you guys got that prize picks. But I got in on Barrio at minus 130, thinking that the line was going to go the opposite way. Because personally, like when I was watching the tape, I'm like, I don't know how, you know, you watch the tape and you can come out on the cheaty side, but I can see if he does keep it at the range that he's going to be successful at. Sure, he can win. Then I saw the line start to move against me. I'm like, oh shit, well, what did I miss? You know, I should have waited and, and got in a little bit later. So I got in uh, two units at minus 132, I believe the line was. And then the next day I hop onto Pinnacle. It's down to minus 105. So I re-up another unit on, a, on that minus 105 because I feel pretty strongly about Barrio on this spot. So uh, love Barrio here. I think we see a classic Barrio performance. Maybe not a finish. I think he just grinds up on him on the cage for the majority of this fight and takes home a decision victory.
Uh, all right, let's move on to this next one. Another Canadian stepping into the gates, the last Canadian of the three. We are sorry, of the four, I should say. We got Mean Hakeem Duwadu going up against Mike Trezano. In terms of odds, we got minus 165 for Duwadu and plus 145 to return for Trezano. Um, close fight. And I completely understand why the fight, uh, line is moving the way that it is. I believe Duwadu was closer to minus 200 earlier in the week. Money coming in on Trezano now. Trezano, obviously, the slightly taller, lankier fighter here. Both guys have a solid Muay Thai background. Obviously, Tiger Shulman trained Mike Trezano and then Champions Creed up in there in, up there in Calgary for Mr. Uh, uh, Hakeem Duwadu. Uh, this is really going to come down to like like uh, significant strike numbers or just total strikes thrown. You know what I mean? It, I feel like it's going to uh, play out similarly to the uh, Arce and Duadu fight where they're just throwing whoever seems like they're throwing more per round will likely get that round. I'd be surprised if we see a takedown attempt here. If we do, I think it will come from the Trezano side. Um, uh, even though Hakeem got kind of dummied by Evloev the last time around, he put up a pretty good fight, man. He kept getting back to his feet. There's a reason Evloev secured eight or nine takedowns there because my guy Hakeem just kept getting up, kept getting up, kept getting up. And so I don't think that will see Trezano have much success if that's the route that he takes. So I expect this fight to be a Muay Thai battle pretty much from minute one to minute 15. Uh, overs seem to be the spot. Fight goes to decision, I think, around his minus 190 right now. Don't mind that either. But I think we see a 15-minute kickboxing fight. Uh, and I think if you're betting either side, I think taking them by decision wouldn't be a, too bad of an idea. Uh, but I'm keeping my money off this fight. I'm going with the Canadian, not because of my Canadian bias, but I do think he'll be the meaner striker once they actually start throwing down maybe some good leg kicks because of the reach disadvantage he's going to be at. Uh, but yeah, I think he's he'll look the more complete striker once these guys start throwing down. How do you feel about this one? So with Hakeem, sometimes I, I don't necessarily want to say he lacks volume, but when I go back, especially that Zabiria to Hugov fight, because I guess that's the striking match, right? You look at the Evloev fight, very different matchup. Evloev grappled him throughout the whole thing. Sometimes I feel like he'll be complacent with not throwing enough shots. You know, it'll be a little bit lower end on the volume. And then you look at that third round. He's like, let's go to war. Let's go. But I felt like the whole fight, he was kind of sitting back doing his thing. With Trezano, I expect pressure from the start. I think he's going to try to get a high volume pace out there. I feel like he's got a nice gas tank. Not that Hakeem doesn't. Both guys in incredible shape. Real prospect matchup here. I mean, both 30 years old. It's like turning point moment. I think it's it's pretty close. I could see this fight, uh, especially at near close money but Dewadu does have the better resume the Ludovic Klein win was pretty telling for Mike Trezano I'm like wow he can go out there and work a pretty damn good uh striker for that reason I'm gonna go the Trezano side I do think he has a pretty crisp jab I think he could find it that game's explosive man but not necessarily a huge knockout artist. A lot of the times, they're decisions. It's it's moments. And this fight's really going to come down to the moments. If you're on the betting side on this one, it's a tricky spot. It's like who shows up throwing more volume? Because I think if they fight 10 times, you could see 10 different results here. Most likely, 9 out of the 10 going distance. So going the distance is where you're making the money here, I feel. Uh, but I do like Mike Trezano for the win. He's an underdog. I like him at plus money. Maybe you play him with a little something. Not going absolutely bonkers on the underdog here. But I, I like Trezano. Yeah, I, I don't hate that at all. There's a lot of guys I respect on the Trezano side, and I can absolutely understand, especially with the plus money there as well. All right, prelim headliner coming up next in the 135-pound division. <clears throat> Excuse me. We got Miles Johns going up against John Castaneda. In terms of odds, minus 180 now for Johns. He was up closer to that minus 250 range earlier this week. Money coming in on Castaneda. He's down there at plus 155. I'll let you kick this one off, brother. Who you got in this bantamweight scrap? Castaneda deserves some respect, man. He's a durable guy. He can strike. He can wrestle. 
chin on him. I believe he'll take the shots being thrown against him by Miles Johns for the most part. The biggest thing with Johns is if he starts working that body, I think success will land. He, def he definitely has an explosiveness advantage. The wrestling, I see canceling out. I don't think Castaneda, if he's getting outstruck, has many opportunities to go take Johns down and grind him out. I think Johns will be able to stay upright. He's a pretty good wrestler. I'm not expecting much offensive wrestling from Johns either. I think we're looking at a pretty good stand-up battle i gotta go with the guy that i feel like has more speed and more power can he find the chin for me best method to find the chin is working the body if he can attack the body and then set up shots to the head i think miles johns could get an emphatic knockout He's a pretty good prospect aside from, you know, that one uh, difficult loss. He's on a two-fight win streak. I like the last one against Anderson Dos Santos. That was a freaking highlight real knockout. That was pretty sweet. He's definitely a guy that sometimes wings. He's going to load up. He's not as a winging his shots, but he's going to load up. He's a power puncher, and his style is based upon power. Castaneda, keep that high guard up, move a lot, try to stay away from Johns, maybe out volume him, fight him more of a technical style. If it gets into any type of scrap, I think Johns leads the way. I feel like Castaneda will scrap a bit here. And for that reason, I'm going second round knockout for Miles Johns. I like it. I like it. I'm on the Miles Johns side here as well. Uh, interesting to note, he if anybody likes the sunglasses conspiracy weigh-in, he's the guy that stepped on the scale this morning with the sunglasses on, so take from that what you may. But uh, yeah, I agree with you, man. The more explosive, faster guy here. He is improving with his hands as well, which is something that I didn't really give him too much credit for over his last two fights. Uh, he came into the UFC as more of a grapple-heavy fighter, trying to take guys down and controlling them there, and that ultimately led to him kind of gassing out later in fights. Uh, now that he's kind of really gotten that striking game uh, ironed out, uh, it allows him to use the striking first. And then if he needs the grappling, then he goes to the grappling. And I think that's what's going to happen in this fight. I feel like Castaneda is the slightly more technical striker here, throws in combinations, has some good kicks as well. Uh, and I think he could get the better of Johns in certain situations. But that ace in the back pocket for my guy here, Miles um, Johns with the wrestling, I think that will kind of bail him out of bad positions and then kind of start swaying that round back to his way, uh, especially with landing takedowns. I'm not sure how much control time he'll be able to get on top. Castaneda does a decent job of getting back to his feet, but optically speaking, it's always good to get a good takedown or two, and the judges will be like, oh, that guy landed a takedown, and he's doing having some good success in the striking. That'll more than likely uh, secure the round for him as well. So, yeah, I like John Shear. I could possibly see the knockout. Castaneda, uh, I believe he's been finished by KO once uh, several years ago. Uh, hasn't looked too bad since then, uh, but I think John's going to go the full 15 here and get him out of there. I did parlay him a little bit earlier in the week with Alexis Davis myself for plus 107 uh, a little bit of a squarish play there but i feel like it's a pretty decent spot uh for both people i respect the plus 200 bets from people on castaneda i understand it but i think that johns gets it done i will be fading johns in the future this is just not the fight nor the opponent so i like miles johns yeah. in this spot all right that's a wrap on the prelims shout out to the 100 live viewers that we currently have make sure you guys smash that like hit that subscribe and show my guy aj some love as well i got his twitter handled drop in the description below uh the guys at like 200 followers this is oh, my twitter up, is, my twitter is lagging a bit my my youtube is where that's the what bread i mean butter lies bro you know the youtube you know we're, we're doing a thing twitter i'm working on it man i'm trying to get like you on twitter lock <laughs> i just gotta i gotta post some more tweets man i'm trying Be to get you active, on twitter bro. that's it that's that's, that's the it. magic that's 
that's that's the true. magic substance just be you tweet whatever yeah. the fuck you want and people will start fucking with you but yeah uh, his his youtube channel is absolutely exploding right now so make sure you guys go check him out there as well uh and yeah uh appreciate him joining us for this card all right let's get into the main card here let's not waste any more time we got julian arosa going up against the only guy to miss weight today Steven Peterson comes in at a brisk 149. Asks if he can drop his shorts and get the box of shame, and hopefully that will get him underweight or something. But uh, I believe he still comes in around 148 or 149. Still misses the mark by a solid two to three pounds. Now, uh, in terms of odds, Julian Rose, obviously one of the higher uh, favorites here. Uh, minus 310, uh, plus 245 is the return on Steven Peterson. I like Arosa here. I don't like the odds, though, right? I, li I like him to go out there and kind of use his awkward, unorthodox style in the striking realm to really start to touch up Steven Peterson from the outside. Uh, one fight that I always go back to for this fight specifically is Steven Peterson against Bruce Leroy. Uh, that was a fight where we saw that movement and the awkward movement from the outside while Steven Peterson just continuously crashes forward. He's crashing forward into strikes, and he's going to be crashing forward into a ton of strikes here from Julian Arosa. The, my concern is some nights Arosa's chin shows up sometimes it doesn't and steven pearson not a crazy knockout puncher but he still has some zest on his shots so i'm sure that he can land on the chin of barossa and put him out uh but i'm not betting on uh, on steven peterson in a spot especially with missing weight not a good look um maybe he left some of himself in the sauna and that could obviously come back to bite him here against a guy like julian rosa so i like arosa here not parlaying him not touching this fight um i think he does his uh again awkward movement from the outside sticking from distance and uh either finish him or uh, go on to win a decision. So I'm going with the Rosa, Juicy J. How are you feeling about this one, AJ? Dude, I like Juicy J a lot, man. I've been following him since the tough days when Artem Lobov put him down. Oh, bro. That wow. was fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, I, I feel like one concern I have is like, I feel like Arosa fights really good against guys he's supposed to lose to. And then you give him a guy that he's supposed to beat. I'm concerned at the minus 300 spot just a little bit. Not enough to pick Steven Peters. I'll tell you the people right away. I ain't picking Steven Peters here. I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. But I, I'm concerned of the fight being closer than it should be. Arosa, rangy striker. A little bit awkward, man. I love the way, though, he has his unique flow. Fighters that fight just weird always, you know, attract my eye. I'm like, man, this guy's doing something different than the rest. And he's doing pretty damn good at it, beating some good prospects. I think he beats Peterson fairly convincingly should be a hard fought fight could he get the submission it's possible even though arosa has a bit of pop in the hands especially you know what he has that unique unique flow flying knee up the center knocked out freaking nate landwehr in a Oof. fight that i was like damn I, I was surprised to see it like that nate land was a savage um i like the possibility of arosa winning betting side of things it's hard right because he could go out there and win a decision he could go out there and lock up a submission though peterson i don't believe he's been submitted as a professional correct me if i'm wrong on that one i'll quickly check that out yeah i don't think he has i'm not saying arosa is going to be the first guy to do it i'll predict arosa wins via decision i think that's uh more likely here should be a fun scrap and, and as you mentioned Merrill, i feel like peterson i don't want to call him a typical fighter but he's got the forward pressure style Basic kickboxing game, you know, enough to get on the UFC roster. He's definitely no bad fighter, does everything all right. 
But I think Julian Arosa, a little bit better than that, goes out there and wins a unanimous decision. Yeah, out of the nine Steven Peterson losses on his professional record, he's only been stopped once, and that was via uh, a choke, I believe it was. Okay. Uh, or sorry, he did get sorry, he got KO'd okay. uh, back in 2013, so over nine years ago since his chin is actually cracked. All right, let's move on to the next fight here, the fight you were most excited about. We got the actual Ultimate Fighter uh, Season 29 finale here. We got Brian Battle going up against Trishon Gore. Obviously, uh, Battle was scheduled to fight Gore. Uh, I believe it was August of last year. Uh, Gore, unfortunately, had to put out due to a knee injury. Uh, Battle went out there and secured that uh, Ultimate Fighter trophy by defeating Gilbert Urbina. Uh, who actually lost to Trishon Gore on the show. Uh, so I'll actually let you kick this one off, man. Where, where, where's your head at for this matchup? What do you like? I'm not using MMA math, but let's note this. Trishon Gore <laughs> destroyed Urbina. Brian Battle was tested striking with Urbina. I love both these guys, you know, and Brian Battle gives me like this new age Forrest Griffin vibe. Trayshawn Gore, absolute prospect, powerhouse striking, super athlete, only three pro fights. Granted, the ultimate fighter, the amateur experience not taken into that, but he's special, man. I think Trayshawn has the goods to, to make a, some good moves, man. I, I just, I don't know. He's got a good kickboxing style. He hits with real pop. The question is, okay, can this guy defend takedowns? The Ryder-Newman fight was on tough, was able to not get taken down there, and Ryder, known primarily more so as a wrestler, pieced him up on the feet, destroys him, goes out there and wins a unanimous decision. Two-round fight, I believe. I think in this spot, Brian Battle has to push the pace. He needs to find a way inside. He needs to make a grueling battle. His wrestling style is not your typical, let me shoot from distance and I'm going to blast double leg you, smash it to the floor. It's a grinding wrestling style. It's going to be a fight. He likes to make it dirty. His best bet, get it in close, make it a scrap. Elbows, knees, clinch up Trayshawn, wear on him, tire Trayshawn, go out and put him where he has not been before. But I just think that the chin will be touched, even though Brian Battle is battle tested. Not to make a little pun there, but facts, I was going to do facts. that. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> he is battle tested, bro. But I think Trey Sean hits with a different level of pop. I see him stunning Brian Battle, potentially getting the finish. But I also understand the Brian Battle side for the win. I'm third round submission maybe you sprinkle like actually just playing the round betting side of things on brian battle and then if you like trey sean maybe you go the knockout side but then next thing you know this fight's going distance personally unless it's fun props or over unders i'm more so keeping my my money in the pocket on this one man especially as a guy who wants the best for both so whoever wins god bless whoever loses i'll be honest i'll be a little heartbroken man because these guys are, are, are real prospects great dudes both guys, you got to check out it. If you don't follow Trayshawn Gore, if you don't follow Brian Battle, you should, man, because these are some uh, some great prospects from Tough that I see having long-term UFC careers, bright futures. I'll go Trayshawn, though, by TKO. Yeah, it was interesting uh, in terms of line movement for this fight, too. It was roughly around minus 120-ish uh, initially for Trayshawn Gore, and then a ton of money starting to rain on him, pushing him up to that minus 160-ish range. To be honest, I, I don't really understand the line movement, man. I'm on the battle side here at plus 145. I took a I took a shot on him here. Sure, Gore is the more explosive, faster guy. I probably will have the faster hands of the two. But we, we've seen battle, like you said, battle test. We've seen him take shots and uh, still come back and start chugging forward. I'm not sure how much more there is to Gore's game, right? He's 3-0. Obviously, he started his amateur career actually way back in 2014. Took some time off in between, but uh, trained by the Lima brothers, Douglas and Diego, down there at American Top Team Georgia. But uh, I think that his ground game is still there to be exploited. I'm not trusting a guy like Ryder Newman to try to show that, show that to us because he was giving Gore the fight that he wanted. He stayed at the range that Gore was comfortable in, and then Gore was just lighting him up. 
surprised that he didn't finish him there either. But uh, if you go back and watch the LJ Jones fight, that's one that's uh, specifically that that kind of has forced uh, my hand here on the battle side is once we saw Gore on his back, didn't really have much to offer. And that was uh, a big concern, especially with the guy in battle who's He's a big dude, man. He's a big dude for this weight class. And I think that size could absolutely come in, uh, come to uh, play here, uh, kind of keeping Gore down and just roughing him up there. And I think eventually we'll see Battle get him out of there, either with a TKO or a submission of some sort. Uh, there's obviously that that path to victory for Gore to knock him out early here. Again, like I said, he'll likely have the better striking, but I think that Battle will be able to enjoy that, drag this into his, in, his range, and then eventually start uh, really grinding uh, on Gore and then getting him out of there. For me personally, I wouldn't mind losing the bet on Battle, if it was a quick knockout for Gore so that we could potentially get a better line on fading Gore in the next fight, right? That I always like to think of one or two steps ahead. So even though I have a bet on battle here at one unit, I, I don't mind if he gets starched in the first minute here because we'll likely get a better line on his next opponent. But if he survives that first uh, barrage that will likely be coming his way, I think battle is going to just put him through the ringer and... and uh, yeah, get the dub on the other side. So I'm going to be on the battle side here, and uh, we don't have to worry about him bringing the trophy because it's going to stay at his house anyway. Let's the defense, bro. This is the first ever <laughs> Ultimate Fighter title defense here because this is the guy from the same season. If you fight a guy from your season and you won the show, that's a defense of who's really the top <laughs> guy, in my opinion, bro. There we go. One-time defending, tough 29 champion. <laughs> Brian Battle, let's <laughs> fucking go. All right, uh, let's move this on to the next fight. We got uh, Sam Alvey taking on Short Norris, Brendan Allen. They're actually pushed up to light heavyweight now. Sam Alvey is supposed to fight Phil Hawes. Phil Hawes pulls out. Brendan Allen steps in on less than a week's notice. Minus 435 is the line currently on Brendan Allen plus 330 the return on Sam Alvey uh I I already put my podcast out before the fight got pulled, uh, and I had Alvey knocking out Phil Haas. That was kind of my my pick for that one. But I get it. Brendan Allen just got knocked out by Curtis. Phil Haas got knocked out by Curtis. But there's something different between the two, and I think that uh, Brendan Allen should be able to put together a much better game here against Sam Alvey. Um, one thing about Sam Alvey, even though he's 0-6-1 in his last seven, everybody's like, this guy shouldn't be in the UFC or anything. If we look at the performances, his takedown defense has been pretty good, which is why I kind of picked him against Phil Hawes. Like his takedown defense, 77% still uh, getting up, even when getting taken down, very hard to hold down. That's something that's stayed with him from the beginning of his career. He's very good at that. But if Brendan Allen goes in there with the, the game plan that he had against Punahale Soriano, just strike him from the outside, keep kicking the dude, keep him at range, and just kind of keep him at the end of his strikes, he should be able to outpoint Sam Alvey here, right? Sam Alvey is still that dude that just continuously backs up and waits for his opportunity to throw his big overhand or his left or his right, whatever it is. And I think a guy like Brendan Allen, which is why he accepted this fight, should be able to see that and sees this as an easy paycheck, which is why he's at minus 435 right now. The only reason I'm not parlaying him or putting my house on uh, Brendan Allen here is for the simple fact that he took the fight on a week's notice, right? Like you see him on the scale, looks a little bit pudgier than he normally does, but he is also fighting up, you know, what, 25 pounds uh or sorry, 20 pounds higher than he normally does. Uh, I, I still think he gets it done. I don't know if he, I don't think he finishes Alvi. I think this will go the full 50 minutes and he just needs to mind his P's and Q's. And if he does, I think he just clowns on Alvi for the full 15 minutes here. So I'm going Allen, Allen decision. Uh, what are you liking here? So it's interesting, man. As you mentioned, man, Allen didn't look good on the scales. I was looking through his Instagram because I'm like, hey, let's find out how much training he's been doing. I don't believe he's been, you know, fully going at it as if, you know, he's fight camp ready. I don't think he's going to be. Granted, just fought two months ago. 
knocked out. I don't like when fighters bounce back from knockouts that quick, man. He took a lot of big punches in that fight against Curtis. Then you fight Sam Alvey, who is in a desperate spot, bro. And desperate fighters can be fucking dangerous. Power definitely on the side of Alvey. If this fight's at 185 full camps, I'm going Brendan Allen all day. It's not really much of an overthought for me. 205, Sam Alvey still looks decent. I mean, just recently drawed with uh, some decent names. What was the name of the guy? Asian guy, man. The the name's... Dong Yoon, yes. And then you look at... You probably the, would have won that fight if they scored that correctly. Right, bro. He, he was right in that fight. He was there. You look yeah. at even Ryan Spann. He gives him a hard yeah. fight. He loses a split decision. At 205, Sam Alvey does his best work. He didn't have the weight cut this week, though his body, you know, more so adjusting for that 185. So it's going to be interesting to see. I like that Alvey has been, you know, dialed in, focused on training for a fist fight. And I think that's a real advantage. OG veteran of the game. I think Brendan Allen, this is a potential mistake for him here. I think he should have taken more time off, come back at middleweight, full camp. He's got the tools to make a run towards the rankings. Outside of this result, I still think at middleweight, Allen has a bright future. I guess you're going to have to give me the tinfoil hat. I'm going Sam Alvey by knockout, bro. I'm going crazy, man. I don't. It is what it is, bro. I, I don't know, man. I'm just uh, I'm a little concerned. I don't like quick turnarounds after knockouts. I don't like guys showing up chunky on the scales. And I don't like a short notice fight if you ain't really dialed in. I don't know. I think Alvey, he's a difficult fight. And I don't want to say Brendan Allen is definitely overlooking him, but in the mind of, of Alan, he's like, ah, this guy's lost seven, seven fights, or I guess six out of his last seven. He's an old man. I'm going to beat him up. I, I think he might be overlooking Alvy as a, as you said, easy paycheck. I think Alvy's going to surprise him here and uh, potentially knock him out, man. Might be a wild man take. I have some wild ones this week, but that's what I'm seeing, bro. And I, I give what I see. I don't so, hate it. Yeah, I, I go Alvy, it, bro. It's a, it's a good angle, especially with, uh, like you said, Allen getting knocked out like two months ago. That's not a good look at all. And uh, if anybody is interested in that Alvy KO line, it's currently sitting around plus 600. So not too bad of a line uh, if you think he actually gets his hand raised by KO in this spot. All right. Let's move on to the next one here. The one that I'm most excited about. Uh, 170-pound bout between Shavkat Rachmanov against Carlston Harris. In terms of odds, we got minus 235 for Shavkat and plus 190 the return on the Guyanese product, Carlston Harris. AJ, what you got here, brother? Dude, Carlston Harris is good, bro. And, and I don't like when you match up guys with bright futures so early. I mean, I guess Carlston getting a bit older, right? He's in his mid-30s. It's time to to make a run. And Shavkat Rachmanov is that prospect, 14-0. He is submitting Brazilians, which is pretty damn impressive. Not necessarily the best grappling Brazilians ever, but difficult older Brazilian guys to fight. He now gets a serious jump in competition with Carlston Harris. When I look at this fight technically, stand-up-wise, I will say Shavkat is the more proficient technical kickboxer. Carlston Harris has some power. Power. You look at that Impa Kasunga and I fight. I don't want to say wing shots, but would you agree is a little fat on the punches? He has like a little bit of a unique, you know, boxing style on the floor. Carlson Harris is known for controlling people. Very good grappling game. Difficult guy. This is a hard fight for Shavkat. This is like the, the ultimate test. Now is the chance. Both these guys, if you beat Shavkat, you beat an undefeated guy, it, it boosts your stock big time. You beat Carlson Harris, you beat an absolute savage experienced fighter. This is Shavkat's biggest test, period. I'll be honest, I think he passes with flying colors here. I wish the odds were closer because I think uh, Harris deserves more respect, but the lines aren't terrible. Currently sitting around minus 210. I'd like to see it at minus 170, minus 150. I'd be more all over the line, but I still like it at minus 210. I think Shavka finds the win. 
picking method of victory, you really get into a tricky situation. I could see Shavkat stunning Carlston and then looking for a submission, but Harris known for a good submission game. If he doesn't get stunned, I don't see him getting submitted here. I'll go Shavkat for the win. I'm going to jump on the potential club and sub side. TKO potentially two. It's one of those fights, man. I think inside the distance would be your play if you're looking to prop things up. Carlson Harris, though, ultimate test for him. Great fight. I'm going Shavkat for the win, though. I like it. I like that too, man. I, I like Shavkat in the spot, but I absolutely agree with you on the fact that the line is just a little bit too wide here. Shavkat obviously doing something that somebody's never done in the past, which is finish Michelle Prezeris last time around. So big win for him there, albeit Prezeris did test for all the juice that night, and I believe he got cut uh, yeah. and ultimately had it a four-year suspension, which is pretty much, a, a, especially at 39 years old, Done. Peace out, MMA. White flag, bro. <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, but yeah, you're, you're right about the striking here, man. Shavka is a crisper striker in this spot. And we've seen it numerous times on regional tape. And even in the Christian Aguilera fight for Carlson Harris, the guy gets clipped. The guy gets hit. He overshoots on his... Uh, punches a lot like you're saying kind of falls over himself at times and that's not a good look especially against a more crisper striker here in shavkat i want to see these guys tussle though i want to i want to see them you know uh, get in the clinch i want to see who gets the better of that who gets the better of the ground exchanges both guys very crafty with their submission game i love the Darson and anaconda series from uh carlston harris very savage with those long lanky arms that he has uh and then shavkat as well man the guy has a mean guillotine and a mean choking game as well so I'd be surprised to see who uh, will be able to get the, the better of the choking game here if that's what it comes down to. Um, but yeah, I, I think at a certain point, um, we'll, we'll see this fight get finished. I think it's going to be a little bit later, though. So one of the spots I was looking was the over one and a half. But I just feel like, man, it, it, it's, a, it's a tough task, especially when you have guys like these uh, that throw with so much heat in Carlston. And then obviously Shafka, who's so proficient at finishing guys, all 14 victories via finish. Uh, and I think that trend continues here. I think that he uh, eventually eclipses Carlston, whether it's in the second or third round. And then I think he eventually puts him away. So, yeah, I'm going to be on the Shafka side here. No bet. Again, like the line is a little bit too wide, but I do think he gets the dub here. What do you got to add? So I'll say one thing. What I really like is Shafka does work a nice jab he works his straight punches against a guy like harris who comes at you a little wide he's able to kind of like overwhelm opponents he didn't respect kasungana he ran him over like a savage you know that style is not going to work with shavkat that's going to get him countered i see counter strike opportunities there all day if shavkat is patient if shavkat is on his game which i do believe he will be kazakhstan's got themselves a hell of a prospect here for sure, for sure. I'm right there with you. All right, let's move on to the co-main event here. Uh, again, placement of this fight, don't really agree with it considering the, the you know, again, we, we got better fights on the card, but hopefully this one still delivers. Uh, we got Nick Maximov coming in at plus 160, minus 190, the return on Puna Hale Soriano. Uh, I'll let you kick this one off, dude. But who do you got between uh, these middleweights? This fight's weird for me, man. This is this is odd because Punali Soriano is a powerhouse striker. Does have some serious pop. Good pressure. I liked his boxing skill set. Has a wrestling background, too. And Maximov's game is going to be more so pure grappling. That's kind of his only method to win is stand-up. You look at that Brundridge fight, kind of like an awkward lean-forward style. Looked iffy on the feet. I don't love his shots from distance. Nick Diaz Army needs a, a soldier in the fight, though, now, man. They don't really have a, a, any guys. Right now. Everybody's getting killed from there. His jiu-jitsu's good, though. And it's going to be fun to see Soriano in a fight in the UFC against a guy who is primarily looking to get the fight to the ground. Most guys are down to send. Even Brendan Allen was able to go out there and outstrike him. I think Soriano is still a pretty good prospect. 
it's one of those fights where there's definitely upside. Like if you're on the Soriano side, I could see the KO, but we don't really know. Can Maximov not take a shot? He seems pretty tough. I mean, Nick Diaz himself known for being durable. Same with Nate. These guys are savages. Granted, then you see uh, as one buddy, uh, I'll be honest, what is it? Uh, Martin, Chris Avila? The, the other guy who got knocked out in 10 seconds by, uh, well, what's his oh, uh, Martin Sano. <laughs> Sano. Sano got knocked out bad. One shot. But yeah. I think, I think, I think that. The team needs somebody, man. And I think Maximov is that guy. He com competes over at Submission Underground, man. I like guys with a competitive jiu-jitsu game who can wrestle a bit. Even though Maximov is not like a, you know, NCAA champion wrestler, did collegiately wrestle. I believe it was, uh, you know, at the community college level, which is still something. And then he's really, like, worked on proficient Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So I expect Soriano to be a little bit stifled in the striking because of the threat of, hey, if I get this fight on the ground, this guy's tricky to deal with. It could be a little bit of danger. Granted, Soriano trains at Extreme Couture. He looked fantastic. I've been close on this fight, but I have to go where the heart tells me. I'm going Nick Maximov upset. I'm joining the Maximov side here, man. I think he could pull it off. I could also see Soriano starching him in a round betting side. I like the, the side of Maximov. I will pick him. Looking at the prop, maybe you go submission with the sprinkle. There's always a chance, but it's not like Soriano is a guy where you look at him and he has like all these fights that he's getting beat up and he's got one loss as a professional. And it was against Brendan Allen, who's a pretty good fighter. And I can't hate on that. I'll go Maximov though. I think the wrestling threat could be a problem, but I don't expect him to successfully take Soriano down in your typical fashion. It's going to be shooting, 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 clinching, 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 working against the cage and trying to turn his opponent over and get the back. That's his best method. I'll lean the maximum offside as a dog, man. I'm going, I'm going fucking dog hunting this week. I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> I don't hate it, man. I, I really don't hate it. Uh, for me, uh, my guy, uh, John Stargarian last night put it perfectly when we we're doing the prop show. For me, this is a fight that I kind of just want to sit back and see what we're getting with both guys. Because with Soriano, we kind of know what his game is, right? Uh, he likes to move forward, likes to throw big winging shots. And more often than not, he finds that shin and puts his guys out. But like the last time we saw him in the cage was against a guy like uh, Brendan Allen, where Brendan Allen was kind of just able to touch him up from the outside and kind of just stay away from the big power. Maximov's durability is still a question. That's kind of the main thing that this hinges on. And even with his ability to get this fight to the ground, I think he's going to struggle. As you touched upon, Soriano has a bit of a wrestling background. So maybe that's going to come into play here and keep this fight uh, upright. But then from there, like if Soriano doesn't land the big shots, does he still have the juice to go out there and keep uh, throwing those big shots and win this fight optically? Because Nick Maximov is going to be shooting more often than not. And that could look good to the judges because he's the one kind of pushing the fight and kind of pushing him against the cage and trying to get these takedowns. But when they are separated, I do think that we'll see Soriano land those shots and probably get that uh, optic back in the judges' eyes uh, and ultimately uh, go on to win a decision. The only reason I just have no idea how it's going to play out is because we just don't know enough about Maximov. All the regional tape you see, you know what he's going to do. Go for a takedown immediately, look for a choke, look for a submission, ground and bound, whatever the hell it is. But how does it look when he struggles with takedowns? We didn't really get to see in the Cody Brundage fight, right? Because he ultimately starts getting the takedowns or reversals and starts really holding on to Brundage. But Soriano is a step up. 
So yeah. we got to find out how much Maximov actually has to bring to the table. And, and in terms of the, the relation to like uh, Diaz, the Diaz brothers and stuff, it's weird how he's kind of picked up on their mannerisms as well. Yes. Like even when he flexes and shit, yeah, yeah. like he doesn't, he doesn't really pick a flex or anything. Like he does like the whole weird mouth thing. Like yeah. it's hilarious to fucking see. It's like they just, they breed him with jujitsu and then they ultimately turn into a Diaz, Diaz brother. <laughs> it's so funny how that works, man. And that's, that's a good note though about, about Brundridge. He, Brundridge doesn't offer you much on the feet. He, he's not a, a quality striker but he did wrestle at a higher level than soriano yeah. and i mean shit maximov found a way to get brundridge on the ground he has to go through the storm of the stand-up of soriano yeah. if he can survive without getting put unconscious i think he's got a chance here but definitely a difficult fight it's like as you said bro you look at you can look at all the tape you want in this fight we haven't yeah. seen maximov in a position where he's fighting a striker and can't land the takedown we're going to find out on fight night. Co-main event, baby. Absolutely. I, I can't wait to see how that one turns out. All right. Main event we got coming up next. Shout out to the 135 live viewers that we currently have. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe. Give my guy Danny some, or sorry, Danny. Why do I call you Danny? What the fuck? AJ. <laughs> Danny DeVito, like, bro. Danny, the fuck? Uh, shout out my guy, AJ. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter. Link is in the description below. Then obviously uh, go over to his channel, MMA Experts, and give him a follow and subscribe over there as well. All right. Main event time, AJ. We got Jack Hermanson coming in at plus 180, minus 220 on the savage Sean Strickland. I know his nickname's not the savage, but after the 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 image that he's starting to put out there of himself, you, you got to call this guy a fucking savage, right? Uh, used to be called Tarzan. He's even kind of saying, why do they keep calling me Tarzan? I don't want none of that shit anymore. I know I had the long hair. Back in the day, I looked like I was from the jungle and shit, but fuck that. This guy is a savage now. So uh, Sean Strickland, since moving up to 185 pounds, has been flawless. And going out there, getting victories over guys like Jack Marshman, uh, Christoph Chotko, and then obviously last time around, we saw him beat uh, Uriah Hall in a five-round main event slot. We was able to land over, I believe, 170 or 180 significant strikes over five rounds. Jack Hermanson on the flip side. Uh, I believe he's coming off that victory over Edmund Shabazian, uh, where he was able to kind of weather that early storm in that first round and then really start to take over in the second and third rounds. But those are really, that's pretty much how Edmund, Edmund Shabazian fights go now, especially if he's not able to get his opponent out of there quickly. Um, it's the same story over and over again. If Jack wants to go out there and fight a striking battle against a better striker, he's more than likely going to get outstruck. We saw it in the Marvin Vittori fight. We saw it, like I said, in that early parts of the Edmund Shabazzian fight. Uh, and then even in the Jared Cannonier fight, gets starched after he's not able to assert his top control in that fight. Here again, Sean Strickland, there is a little bit of a, a, a question mark regarding his grappling at 185 pounds. The last time he fought anybody with a grapple-heavy game plan uh, was actually Brendan Allen, but... Brendan Allen didn't assert any type of grappling there. He thought he could stand with Strickland and ended up paying for it. I wish we got to see at least a takedown or two. We got none. Uh, so you'd have to go back even further. You go back to the Court McGee fight at 170 pounds where Sean Strickland stuffs uh, 11 takedown attempts, doesn't give up one of them, stays on his feet, and then ultimately butchers Court McGee on the feet as well. He even fought Kamar Usman before, uh, before Usman uh, got the title. Uh, I believe Usman went 2 of 7 or 2 of 8 on takedowns that night, and Strickland, again, did a really good job getting back to his feet, keeping the fight in the striking realm, but Kamar Usman still comes out with the dub. So 
I do think Hermanson will land a couple takedowns in this fight, but I'm just not certain he'll be able to actually control him for the majority of a round. I think this fight actually goes very similar to the Marvin Vittori fight, where we'll see this fight, you know, a Jack sometimes go for the takedown, but then start to resort to just striking. And then in the striking range, I feel like Strickland will just absolutely piece, piece this guy up just with volume and output moving forward, throwing the strikes, kind of goading him on like he did with Jack Marshman. I'm sure he's going to be calling out Jack here as well. But um, yeah, I, I like this spot for for Strickland. I think people might be overlooking Strickland a little bit too much just because of the grappling narrative, right? That we haven't seen him tested in the grappling realm. Uh, but uh, from everything we've seen thus far, he, he checks all the boxes for me. I don't think a guy in Jack Hermanson who, decent wrestler, questionable top control i don't think that's going to be too much for a black belt and sean strickland to deal with here i like strickland he's actually my lock of the night play honestly i went in at minus 207 uh and i think that he's going to go out there maybe finish hermanson late uh but i can see him go on to win a 25 minute battle here throwing upwards of 150 significant strikes and landing the majority of them as well so give me strickland strickland by decision how do you see this one yeah, man, I think you're right, bro. Strickland, he, he's a savage, bro. This is this is the new nickname. Take that Tarzan nickname out, bro. It doesn't even make sense anymore, man. Sean Strickland, though, I mean, he's been in the UFC for so long. I remember, like, seeing him, hearing about him early on in his career, but, like, never really, you know, built that momentum. Moves to middleweight, and it's like, who is this savage? This guy is on a roll now. I think he's found his groove, man. I think he's making a run in 2022. Circumstances are going to potentially lead him into a title shot with this win. You look at Derek Brunson, Jared Cannonier. If Brunson goes out there, grinds out Cannonier, are we doing Brunson out of Sanya too? Assuming Robert Whitaker doesn't shock the world, you know, next week, which is <laughs> might happen, might happen. Breakdown coming on Sunday for that one for, for probably both of us, man. Oh, um, yeah. I, I just feel like. Yeah, bro. It's like it's hard to pick against Strickland. The volume's crazy. He's in great shape. I will say he's not necessarily like the heaviest puncher. He has a bit of pop, but it's volume, it's pressure, and he doesn't care if you hit him. I mean, it's going to take a guy with some serious power or, you know, someone with some serious precision to stun Sean Strickland and make him like, hey, let me back off this dude. I don't see it happening with Jack. Jack Hermanson's too basic with the stand-up. He'll throw the high guard up and then punches will still land. I didn't like the look against Edmund Shabazi, and he took some damage in that fight. And Shabazian is a guy that, you know, you know the method to beat him, get him to the floor. I think that Sean Strickland fends off majority of the takedowns. Also, like something to note is that Greco-Roman style of wrestling for Jack Hermanson. I think against Sean Strickland, that's pretty uh, disadvantageous because you got to get inside on this guy and he's pushing you forward. I don't see Sean Strickland taking many backward steps. I see that Philly shell slicks their style working all night long, high volume, good boxing. I would like a TKO. I want a TKO. I, I like, I'm picking towards the TKO because as a fan of Sean Strickland for his career, you TKO Jack Hermanson, you're in the title picture. That's a huge win if you stop this guy. Jack Hermanson, I mean, yeah, he has some stoppage losses in the past. Jared Cannonier, Tiago Santos. But as of late, durable fighter. Taking damage, able to go long. I'm thinking there's potential for a later stoppage. But I could also see this fight going the full five. Either way, we both are on the same man winning. Jack Hermanson for the victory, and he should look pretty damn impressive. Yeah, we got number six, Jack Hermanson, and number seven, Sean Strickland. So this, if anything, will allow Strickland to maybe crack that top five. Uh, yeah. Solid win here as well. I do want to get you a quick question on this because I got a little yeah. bit torched on the uh, live stream last night when I said this. Uh, Sean Strickland and Vittori, who do you think is the better fighter? 
that's a fucking weird matchup, man. I, I would be concerned about Vittori's pressure grappling if he can potentially hold him. But I think if they fight, man, I think that Sean Strickland, as long as he defends a takedown, I could see him edging a decision. But that's a hard one to pick, man. When they're lined up and have to break it down, who do you think's better there? I said that I think Strickland's the better fighter, right? It all yeah. comes down to, like you said, we'll see the grappling of Strickland tested, and that might change my opinion of, of that matchup if it ever happens in the future. But I think that he will throw more volume. He doesn't throw as heavy and as slow and plodding as a guy like Marvin Vittorian. I think he could get the better of him in those instances. Uh, but again, a big part of that question mark is going to be, you know, Vittori, when he's in those types of matchups, he just drags these motherfuckers to the ground and holds them down. Let's see what Strickland looks like now that he's going to be fighting a guy that uh, will more than likely grapple him. And I'm not sure if you caught it during the weigh-ins here, uh, or sorry, the the, the stare-downs, but uh, Strickland's like, you want me to pull guard? Is that what you want me to do? <laughs> so, now, he knows what's coming. He knows what's he coming. Knows. I know he's training hard there over uh, at Extreme Couture, uh, yes. drilling with guys like you want Kutalaba and them, uh, working that wrestling, working to get back to his feet. So I think he'll be more than ready to go to take on the Joker. All right, the last yeah. thing I like to do before we uh, do this or uh, get off here, uh, lock of the night plays or your most confident play on the card. I'll obviously give mine out. I just gave it. It was Sean Strickland. I have four and a half units on him at minus 207. Uh, still don't mind him at that minus 220 line. I've seen some people saying, you know, Jack at plus 200 is not too bad of a bet. I get it. I get the angle. The line could be wide to certain people. Not to me, though. I think Sean Strickland wins this fight pretty easily. How do you feel about this one? I was, I, I'm with you, bro. I think Sean Strickland's a great one. I'm going to give a different one. If you're going more towards security, but aren't as concerned about, you know, the, uh, you know, favorite status, I like Shavkat Rachmanov. You want something closer money. It's against what the lock man says, and it's on your show. But I think Chidi and Jikawani is also a pretty All good right. play. Uh, if you get them slight plus, even play, I think you can make a little something, man. I'm confident on the side. But, of course, difficult test and burial coming up, man. Overall, though, fun-ass card, Hell bro. Yeah, I am so excited. Bellator last week, bro. Can we talk about this for one second? Go for Who's it. judging these fights? They got their eyes closed? <laughs> Dude, I'll say this. I talked with uh, Clint about this on Wednesday on our Deadlock podcast. Uh, I think they got the Mamadov decision wrong, yep. but I thought they got the Bader decision correct. Okay. I'll, give, okay. I'll say that. I'll okay. say that. What about you? Dude, like I could see the argument, but I think that Moldovsky got it by a smidge. But I guess you have to beat the champion to be the champion. So if it's close, goes towards it. I did I disagreed with the Mamadov one more so, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying there. I'll be honest though, Czech Congo fight. Why are we not doing Fedor? What are we doing here? <laughs> Bellator, my guys, Bellator. Listen, hopefully they're they're watching, bro, and hopefully they can listen. What are we doing? Are we trying to freaking blow up as the number two MMA league in the world? Are we trying to make people forget? Because Eagle FC is coming with yep. vengeance, bro. Oh, yeah vengeance and then pfl they got the challenger series coming out they're coming yep. like savages one championship you got rod tang mighty mouse bro there's a lot of competition to be number two to the ufc bellator is kind of like sitting in that spot like hey i'm so secure and bro you know me i cover all the bellator i yeah. cover everything bro so i'm looking at the look on the channel we're breaking down fights i'm like man Bellator, what are you doing? And one last note, Bellator, what are you doing? Give us some more footage, man. Stop, stop hiding all your fights. I know, I you know, notice I know. that, bro? It pisses well, me off. Well, luckily for us in, in Canada, they have all their footage on YouTube, so they mm. we can watch it live on YouTube. All that stuff. They have no. I TV have to make a trip there. to Canada, my friend. Exactly. Before, I, before I break down Bellator fights, I'm coming over. Express bro. VPN. <laughs> yeah, I have it. Bro. There you go. <laughs> I need it. I need it, bro. That's there what I go. need to do. Smart man. Smart man. There bro. you definitely go. Gonna, definitely gonna do it. Uh, next Bellator paper or main event is actually name and Gracie against Logan Strolley on February 19th. So that's what they're doing next up. Um, all right, AJ, I just want to give you the platform one last time to plug anything you want to plug on the way out, brother. And then I'll wrap this pitch up. 
So uh, we have MMA Experts channel. I am AJ DeVito. I run MMA Experts. If you don't know me, also, you know, do some things on different social media platforms. Majority, you're going to find it as MMA Experts on Twitter. Link in the description. It's AJ MMA Experts because some dude who doesn't post anything decided to steal the name and I couldn't get it, bro. It is what it is. I'm, try I'm, to I'm trying to contact Twitter, bro, to take the MMA Experts name. So <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Subscribe on the channel. Follow me on all the links. If you need fitness advice, I also got a fitness page. AJ DeVito Fitness, big into the workout game. A lot of things coming, bro. Got the Moneyline podcast with my good friend Mike Finch. I also want to give him a plug. He's got some awesome interviews coming out with some serious fighters. So definitely give him a look. Manpre, you're doing your thing, bro. It's so nice to be back, bro. I'm gr it's oh, great, yeah, bro. bro. This guy gave me a shot, bro. And this is why I love this man right here. <laughs> he gave me a shot when I was just starting up, bro. I don't know. I, I had not a big following then. I didn't, wasn't really doing much. He said, hey, bro, I'll bring you on. And great opportunity, great exposure, man. He keeps doing his thing. Big things coming from him. Big things coming from me. Taking over the fight game, man. Much love, guys. I feel like I have a keen eye for for talent at times. I, I had a feeling that you were going to blow up eventually. You I just know. needed that shot. I'm glad that you were able to run with that shot as well. Just a little bit of a pat on the back for myself before I sign off. I used to be in uh, the music industry. I I went to a music business uh, school, and uh, that was right before Bruno Mars popped off. And I heard him on that first big track he was on. I think it was what B.O.B. I can't remember what the song was. But I told my music, one of the teachers there, I'm like, Watch out for Bruno. This guy's going to pop off. A year later, this guy's fucking selling out fucking stadiums and all that shit. I'm like, I told you guys. I fucking told you. <laughs> and my guy, AJ fucking DeVito, is going to be killing the game now, too, as well. So make sure you guys keep a keen, keen eye on him, too. All right, AJ. Again, appreciate you hopping on with us. Good luck on all your wages tomorrow. And uh, we'll be sure to have you on the show once again in the next couple months. Good luck, brother. And shout Much out to everybody that joined us as well, too. Love you guys. Good luck on all your bets. And I'll be back tomorrow, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern for the Fight Day Live chat. And lastly, one last thing that I'm going to be doing, something new. Uh, try to up my Instagram game, my IG game. So at 7 p.m. Eastern today, I'm doing an IG Live for about half an hour to 45 minutes where I'm going to be bringing you guys on. You guys fucking hop on with me. Give me your locks for UFC Vegas 47. I'm going to get through as many people as I can in that amount of time. But I want to speak to you guys, the fans, everybody that allows me to do this shit full time, allows AJ to do it full time. We get to finally fucking hear from you guys. So make sure you guys check it out. 7 p.m. Eastern at MMALOT on IG. You guys are going to love it. I'm going to love it. So I'll see you guys there. All right. Good luck on your bets. And we'll see you guys next week. UFC Peace.